Whether it's in the classroom or out in the field, today's guest has a passion for mental health advocacy and uplifting those around her. After battling both physical and mental adversities, our guest has only grown stronger and uses her obstacles as fuel to make herself and those around her better. Listen to learn more about how our guest got into track and field, how she has dealt with her mental health struggles, and how she hopes to use her story to connect with people and help others going through similar circumstances. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond the Heel. This is your host, Anuj Rutane and Tyler Coffey. We couldn't be more excited to bring you guys a new episode. On today's podcast, we have a third place winner at the 2019 New Balance Nationals in track and field throwing. And she was also voted the Iron Ram athlete from the UNC strength and conditioning staff. Please welcome UNC thrower, Joe Ellen Driscoll. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good and I'm really excited to be here because I just, I love spreading my story and like talking to people. No, well, we couldn't be more excited to have you on and uh, hear your story. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you ended up at UNC? Yeah, so my freshman year, I actually was a runner. I did not know about throwing. I didn't know what it was, but then I got into it and I enjoyed it because I was really good at it. And eventually I started throwing discus, which is now my main event. And basically it was really difficult for me to learn discus, but I like challenges. So it took a lot of hard work for me to get here. And my senior year, unfortunately, COVID had happened. So therefore I did not have the opportunity to take the school record from my high school, but it did like still give me the opportunity to go to college because the numbers I had thrown the previous year were good enough for me to attend UNC, fortunately. So. We just wanted to talk about like, how did you start throwing? And then when did you like make that switch that you knew that you had the possibility of being a collegiate athlete? I think I made the switch definitely my sophomore year of high school. I started throwing I want to say I didn't really start taking it seriously until high school. So that's why I said I was more of a runner before high school. I did high jump also. In middle school, I did a little bit of shot put, but I wasn't serious about it at all. High school, I got serious about shot put because it was a big team. There wasn't a big team in middle school. It's like three of us. And then high school, there was like 12. And so I really had to fight for my position. And so in that fight, I found like my love for competition and just everything throws. And so once I found out like the throws like community is just such a big and welcoming community, I felt like like I really need to get into it. I really need to take it seriously. And eventually I'll be at the collegiate level or even better. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, you talk about how you love challenges and uh, um, how you love competition. Uh, we saw that you received the most approved women's track and field athlete in 2021. What did earning that award mean for you? Um, I feel like it, it really meant a lot because when I got here, it was like, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but I played basketball in high school. Mm. And so it did a really, really big number on my knees to the point where I got here, I wasn't able to squat. And so I looked ridiculous trying to do anything, any form of squatting. I did tons of rehab just to like get to where I am now. And even then, like, I still catch myself, like, slipping back into, like, oh, my knee is, like, aching really bad and I can't do certain things. But me winning most improved, it really meant that, like, hey, I've taken a huge step to further myself, like, to better improve whatever happened in high school. Because we couldn't figure it out. We even, like, got an MRI for me. 
and they said like it was nothing and now they're saying it's like fat pad problem but it, it really did mean a lot because I had I was going through a lot of mental health issues because of that and so when they gave me that it just really let me know like hey we see you working hard every day and we really appreciate it gotcha gotcha and so other than your knee was there any other adversities or challenges you were facing at the same time or was the knee injury primarily causing some adversities with like your mental health or how how did your journey with mental health begin i would definitely say just a troubled childhood with growing up with my mom she's mentally ill won't admit to it but it's very obvious <laughs> um and basically, I have seven siblings, so everything, like I said, has been like a competition. And it just, it carried on to college. I started noticing it when I took like a, what was it, family development class. Mm. And they were talking about mental illnesses. And I was going back to the professor's office hours. And I was like, hey, this sounds like what I went through as a kid. And then I would start noticing, like, I would wake up in the middle of the night, like in sweats and tears because... A lot of the stuff she would say would resonate a little bit too much with me. As you can see, like in the most recent years, um, with Simone Biles and um, the tennis player, um, was it Naomi name? Osaka? Naomi yeah. Osaka, right? They've been very um, open about their mental health issues, and obviously, there's a big stigma around mental health and also mental health around athletes. So, um, what like stigmas do you still think exist today? How do you plan on? at UNC just being a small part and letting go of those stigmas. I definitely feel like mental health in the black community, I'm not gonna just talk about athletes because right. I feel like being black adds a big portion to why my mental health, like I'm gonna say, declined so quickly when I got here. It's because I didn't know that it existed first mm -hmm. of all. But also like just a lot of the parents in the black community don't realize that mental health is still health, like physical health. Like if you break your elbow or something, like you're taken to the doctor, but like mental health, it's like, oh, why are you sitting in your room all the time? Like, why are you never spending time with me? It's like, because you're hurting me. Like I can't sit around you and enjoy my time around you if you're constantly getting on me for little things, you know? And so I feel like the way I can like help do my little part at UNC is just let my story be known and let other people that are going through the same thing know that they're not alone. Gotcha. And did you ever, so I'm a tennis player and I primarily faced challenges when I associated my self-value with my results in tennis. So let's say that I had a really good week or a really good year in, in tennis. I had really good results. Then I saw myself as a very worthy just like successful type of person but when i was losing or was struggling my level or wasn't having the best results i would get really down on myself and just feel sort of uh worthless and i put a lot of self a lot of my self values based on my tennis results and i've improved on it a lot throughout the years but i've been just so competitive where I just put a lot of my self-value into my tennis results. So if I did really well, I was feeling amazing. And if I didn't do, if I was losing, I'd be just depressed and just extremely sad. Can you relate to that in any way? Did, does your results in track and field affect maybe your self-worth? It's like when I'm having a good throwing day, 
it's like the best day of my life. And I'm like, you know, I'm having an amazing day today. And everybody's like, why? And it's like, I threw well, you know? But then it's like, if I foul out or like, I'm getting really close and I'm just not hitting the mark. It's like, I'm having a terrible day. I'm all shooken up and people are like, Joe, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm okay. They ask again, I'm in tears. I can't like talk yeah. to anybody. And they're like, it's not that serious. And I'm like, to me, it is. Like, mm -hmm. I've been raised on this. I've been doing track and field for so long that it doesn't make sense to me when I'm not doing well because mm -hmm. I work so hard. And at some point I was feeling like I didn't deserve to be here because mm -hmm. it was some type, some type of fluke. Like, you know, like yeah. I just barely made it in by the skin of my teeth. And so I kind of suffered also from like imposter syndrome because I did come in that COVID year. And so the girls that came in behind me, they're like really talented and they're throwing like the same thing I'm throwing now. And so I guess I'm kind of learning how to like separate myself from actually being an athlete. Yeah, I think that's a challenge that a lot of a lot of athletes are facing, you know, just putting their self, they value themselves based on their results because it's something that they've done their whole life and something that they're so passionate about. And I think in today's day and age with the social media and everything like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, they're always promoting the everyone winning, you know, you yeah. never talk about, you never see online people losing. It's all about the wins and yeah. the amazing results, all these records. And, you know, if you're not meeting those expectations, it definitely, can really mess with like your mental health. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to ask, you know, when you were going through your mental health challenges, uh, like what did you do to uh, mm -hmm. help overcome it? So I'm gonna be very vulnerable right now. I was in the hospital for a little bit and that was the only way I was gonna get over it. Cause there was like, it was kind of set in stone the way that I thought it was like, I have to do this or I'm not good enough, you know? And so I had to get somebody to help me reshape the way that I, um, I was thinking. Cause I was like, I'm never gonna be enough if I don't throw X, Y, and Z. But now it's like, look, if I trust the process and I look at the technique, I'll throw it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if I don't reach my goal today, eventually my progress will turn into something permanent and I will be as good as I wanna be or as good as I allow myself to be. If I don't allow myself room for error, then there is no room for error. Like yeah, <laughs> at yeah. that point, like there's no point of continuing. You might as well just quit. How have your experience created a passion for like mental health and mental health advocacy? Definitely just like noticing little signs in my teammates and picking up on things, like little cues that they might say to me, pulling them to the side, talking to them like, hey, if you don't get it today, don't worry. Like don't be hard on yourself now because it'll pay off later, you know? And so really just take the time and understand that you're worth it. And every day that you're here, you're making progress. So yeah, I really just pick up the ones that don't realize that they're slowly digging themselves in a hole. Gotcha. And when you, uh, when you mentioned that you uh, went to the hospital, after that, like, have you been able to see a counselor or therapist on like a regular basis that has helped you throughout the years? Or if you don't mind sharing. I'm actually terrible when it comes to like follow-up care. Mm. And so I was seeing a therapist and she was amazing, but the break came and I was just trying to spend time with my family. So I did not like 
yeah. reach out to her after that. When you uh, spoke to the therapist, do you think it helped you and do you recommend it for our listeners or any other people who are facing mental health challenges? Absolutely. Do you recommend them to go maybe seek help? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, it doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be a close family friend that you go and talk to. But, yeah. like, just find somebody that you feel comfortable, like, confiding in, you know? So, in terms of, like, what's next for you, what are your goals when it comes to throwing for the rest of your UNC career and beyond? Oh, I might sound corny, but I am aiming for the Olympics. Love it. And, like, Diamond League and all that. Like, I'm not going to stop until I get it. So, there's no point in trying to put me down, you know? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... Um, some of our listeners might not know what the Diamond League is. Can you expound upon that first? So, it's actually just like a higher level of competition where like all the world leaders come together and they're like competing. So it's a track and field thing. Almost like a pro league type thing for yeah. track and field. Where is it? Oh, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, this year, was it in Eugene this past year? I think that was the world championships. Oh, just the world championships? Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. And... Um, if you could go back and tell your fr- uh, freshman year something about mental health or just about your journey, what what would you tell her? If you had to give her one piece of advice going through your, your UNC journey. I would basically tell her, take a deep breath. It's going to be a long ride. And, uh, how's your training going right now? I know your, uh, your season's in uh, January, right? Um, yeah. And so... I, Similar to tennis, our our actual seasons in uh, in the spring and this uh, this semester, the fall is just like individual tournaments, just a lot of training. I'm sure it's something similar with you, right? Yeah, so we do like a lot of preseason work. So throwers are known for like not running, but we do like a little little running, little cardio. <laughs> yeah, um, it's pretty terrible, you know. <laughs> but for the most part, we get in the weight room like four times a week heavy lifts and then our deload is like it's a real deload like we actually like take the time and take the weights down take the reps down and so we're really just letting our bodies recover because you can't constantly be under stress and expect your body to perform the way you need it to perform speaking of results what what type of PRs are we looking for this upcoming season? Um, I'm hoping for something big, but I'm not going to focus on the numbers because right. I know I need to focus on that tech. And if the tech's not right, the number's not going to be. Do you know Jill Shippey? She's been a part of um, Uncut in the past. Yeah, I know Jill. What's it like uh, seeing Jill, who is uh, heavily involved with uh, Uncut in the past few years? What's it like seeing her have so much success in the, you know, the pro circuits? Honestly, it's exciting because like I already knew she was going to be successful. She's been successful the entire time she's been here, so I expected nothing less from her. You know? Yeah. You know, I'm sure we're gonna see you out there crushing it in the big leagues very soon. We wish you the best of luck this upcoming season, and can't wait to see you just crush it. So, thank you so much, Joe, for joining thank us thank on you. the podcast. Thank you for your time. Uh, cannot appreciate it uh, anymore. So, thank you. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Beyond the Heel. If you like this episode, share it with a friend, teammate, fellow athlete, or coach. New episodes of Beyond the Heel come out the first Monday of every month, so follow or subscribe to us on whichever platform you use to stream so you can stay up to date with the incredible stories of your favorite UNC student athletes and more. You can also follow us at uncut underscore ch on Instagram to access videos and memorable moments from each week's episode. Or visit uncutchapelhill.com if you're interested in sharing your story. Thanks again for listening.
Let's keep changing the narrative and putting the human before the student athlete.